0: Following the publication of an article detailing the experience of civilian pilot Kenneth Arnold, North America had its first case of UFO fever. Hundreds of other sightings would be reported to news publications across the US within just days of Arnold's story hitting the headlines. Within this unprecedented streak of UFO reports, the events of Roswell, New Mexico would cement UFOs into the American psyche. Kenneth Arnold, being one of the first public figures to have first-hand experience with these mysterious objects, became a de facto expert on the subject. His encounter would lead him to be the first point of contact to investigate and confirm reported UFO sightings. One of the most unusual cases Arnold was commissioned to investigate was a sighting that took place over the waters of Puget Sound in the state of Washington, an event that would end tragically in the death of two U.S. military service members. This case file joined the theorists as they agreed to disagree on what they did and did not see talking about the MIB in the Maury Island UFO incident.
1: Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File Two Oh One. I am Braden. I am Zell. I'm Dan.
2: Well, uh, did you forget to say the title of the podcast?
1: Oh yeah, I did. Mari yeah, Island my- Incident. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. I was like, that's why I had such a long pause. I was like, uh huh. Oh, f- Hey, we're back to pre one hundred where I couldn't get the intros. To I was gonna this.
2: say, I do you think after two hundred one case files, this would just be fucking dialed up
1: and just sharp? After two hundred, it resets back to we're one. Going back Everyone to our knows roots, this. like we're going. Yeah. Yeah. A- anytime there's a short break, we just forget everything. Just whew, it's gone. Yep. Uh, the Maori Island UFO incident. Uh, you know why I did that? I wanted to do some sort of play on like you are the father, Marie, of the Maori, 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 yeah. Maori, Maori. Uh, yeah. When you Quality see it Friday, TV the program. infographic for this uh, is a picture of Mari, um, which actually it was great because Lady Bray was like, oh, what's going on with Mari? What's the conspiracy behind him? I was like, it's just the play <laughs> on those eyes. She's like, conspiracy oh. is you she, are the father. She's <laughs> like, yeah. I thought you I thought you did something cool. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not cool. Yeah, we're
2: not. We're not daytime TV. Cool. Unfortunately, yeah. um, no.
1: no. Anyways, so let's get right into it. Back to two hundred one, Mari Island incident. This is an interesting case file because it could be. Some people say it's the like OG saucer story, uh, OG Men in Black. You know, it's got a, it's got a lot of the, you know, stuff that we now know is, you know, day to day UFO um, lore originates from this story. Pre Roswell. Yeah, it was like 13 days before Roswell, which is crazy.
2: This was like the fucking flying saucer heyday.
3: Yeah, so what better one to start off the next century of podcasts than a classic UFO tale?
0: I think technically the events of Roswell occurred before this actual case. But this one, uh, but then like the actual reports of Roswell came after this one got reported. But it is one of the first... Uh, like major UFO cases. Like if you go back to that, that that's really this summer of 1947 was like UFO summer beginnings, UFO origins. <laughs> and this one would definitely be rolled up in there. And it has a lot of connections to a lot of the early day uh, case files. There's a couple other ones that it has connections to. And we'll, and we'll get into those as, as we, uh, as we go along as we do. So in June of 1947, you had Howard Dahl, who was captaining a boat uh, during the afternoon, and he was out near Maori Island, which is in Puget Sound in near Seattle, Washington.
1: Now, he I was certain- I was actually surprised how you said it, Dan. I was I thought for sure you're going to screw it up as being an East Coaster. So I was like, I hope Dan screws this one up. But you you nailed it. What do you think <laughs> say Puget Sound? That's what I thought he was going to say. Because I <laughs> it, say, I've what, heard
0: it said Puget Sound. I don't.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, that's 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 how all of the West Coasters say it. But I have researching this. Have heard Puget and like Puget, uh, Puget, Puget Sound. It. I've never heard Puget. Pugget <laughs> Puget, never heard
0: that. Puget uh,
4: Sound. <laughs> Puget Sound, man.
0: Uh, so one of the things that Harry Dell used to do was that uh, he would take his boat out, and they would be searching for. Uh, floating logs in the water that they could salvage, and they would sell to the local mills that line Tacoma's tide flats. Since during that time you still had a large l- lumber industry in that area, and this was a lucrative way to make a living.
1: Well, the whole Pacific Northwest and is a lucrative like forestry industry. So what I was wondering is, is like, is he going into the ocean and he's pulling out logs that have like, like were part of log booms that have gone yeah. adrift? Yeah, they'd be, yeah. Like that's I think what that's happens. They lose a couple. What he was doing. Yeah. So they're like. Like rogue logs, like (laughs) I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought those fucking tugboats had those things under wraps. I didn't realize that you could make a living just being like off the like scraps.
2: Yeah, you didn't, dude. You didn't know about this. This is when you, and then as soon as you find it, you put on that sweet fucking plaid jacket, and you get out and you run on it really fast. Those old commercials. You have to run it back to shore. Some lady sings. You run it to shore. Yeah, (laughs) that that was was a legitimate
0: sport during the ESPN ESPN Outdoorsman. Uh, ga- great outdoorsman games yeah. is a legitimate sport log rolling listen yeah.
1: every single small town canadian city has like some chainsaw competition where that's going on or some and, logger competition uh that's how you win the howard doll cup buddy <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: right all right that's best right, log forgot. roller yeah. gets the fucking it, trophy puget wow. it sooned. yeah puget that's how you sooned. get it
1: done bud so we do it in puget see that's interesting because i i thought that may be the case but then i was like is it because, like, right now on the beach, like, just down the road for me, a, a full-ass tree has washed ashore. And I was like, oh, is this guy going and getting, like, just full trees? No, he's actually getting, like, almost pre-processed logs. So it's like they're ripe for the picking. Well, yeah, they they would send – I'm not sure exactly where – if there's a river here, but, like, they always send
3: logs down the river and, like, log jams and some escape. And then they are, like, a boating hazard in the bay. You can't see them, especially at night. So you'd be ripping along and all of a sudden a, – you know, a big twelve inch timber off the hull. Yeah, I got a yeah. twelve inch timber. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 case yeah. about two hundred and one. <laughs> Floating Just good logs. old boys. Never meaning no harm.
0: <laughs> um, I don't think it was his primary source of income. Uh there there are some other kind of jobs that he's labeled as. It's like I think he was part of the uh what they labeled like the harbor patrol, um, is what he uh claimed to be a part of. Is that of. like
1: the neighborhood
0: watch? <laughs> I, essentially, yeah, I think him and uh, his boss his boss, um bass. His bass. His bass. Uh, like his boss is it it's Chrisman.
3: Chrisman, yeah.
0: Right. Uh, they were both part of this kind of like, it's essentially like a neighborhood watch. Like they would charge people or they were to approach like residents of the area and basically be like, if you pay us, we'll look out for your, you know, your beach or your waterfront property, um, you know, as like patrolmen kind of security, like security guards for the, for the, for the inlet itself. So that's kind of also what they did. Um, but this day he was out on the water with him, his Sounds son, like a boat mafia to me. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, we'll protect your shores, buddy,
1: huh? (laughs) We got you covered. Hey, you want to keep your portion of Puget sound? Pay us. Hey, forget
2: about it, man, huh? You don't want a fucking log to roll up on your fucking shore someday, huh, pal? Figure it out.
0: He was out on the water with his son, and it differs from from some accounts where it's either him and his son, uh, their dog, and then two other crewmen who may or may not have been his two other sons. Uh, there. You know, it differs from account to account. About the most
1: amount of reports that I read, I did see the ones that said it may have been his two other sons, but most were that they were just two like work hands that right. were hired and basically two
0: other to, crewmen
1: to just hey we need some help we'll pay you for the day come on out right.
0: So now, what they saw in the sky that day, Doll would go on to report in at least two investigations that he would that he would have later is that he saw six objects floating around about one to two thousand feet above his ship. And then some people say fifteen hundred feet kind of differs. uh, The estimates kind of go, but hover around that area. And he estimated when he observed these objects, uh, he kind of claimed to to see that they were made of some type of reflective metal, or that's what it seemed like to him. They were donut-shaped, so they were um, circular, and then they had a hole in oh, the middle, right and them. probably about hundred. what he estimated 100 feet in diameter, and the center holes would probably be about 25 feet. And then what happened then is something even more impressive, was that one of the ships flying in the formation seemed to either... He What he described was that this craft fell down or lost altitude uh, as a result of either it was having some kind of what he described as perhaps um, some type of malfunction or that's looked like what was going on, kind of a, a sputtering or a, a
1: shaking, a shuddering yeah, it wasn't, of the ship. It was not flying smooth like the others. It was fucking swaying. It was off axis. Like it didn't look right. And according to
0: some accounts, he may have actually seen or described it colliding with another one of the ships uh, initially. And this is perhaps what he said that, that caused it or, or something was a precipitated uh, its loss in altitude and, and the the behavior that it exhibited as it fell from the sky. Now, uh, it reached a certain altitude lower than the others. And then he said it began to emit uh, like a smoke or some type of vapor and then chunks of of the craft or some type of material started to fall from the object or, or were expelled by the physically expelled from the object. And they were they ended up splashing in the water uh, all around the, all around and under the object. Uh, and actually a lot of it was uh, a lot of it ended up peppering the deck of his boat itself, like taking off He's what he said that it resulted in like a damage to the windshield and then one side of his boat.
2: So, what you're saying is the space shitter was full.
3: It <laughs> just evacuate. <laughs> I think Zell ate one of these, cooled off. Yeah, did these guys, uh, do you guys like lick a piece off the bow of the boat just in case? Superpowers.
2: Well, are they vampires now? Do we know? Space
3: vampires.
1: Uh, but like this is like molten metal, like coming down like slag or, uh, slag. Like, yeah, they said what, Shit. Like, they said what. In the descriptions in the accounts, it says
3: when it hits the water, it seems to like steam and sizzle like it's like molten mm-hmm. hot as it hits mm-hmm. the cold water.
0: And some of this. So uh, the material that fell from the object actually resulted in what Dahl reported was the death of the dog. One of the one of the pieces of the object, the, the, the material Come struck on. his dog on
2: Come the deck on. of his boat.
0: That's enough for an intergalactic war, right there. You piece of Killing dags yeah. with molten and slag from the, the sky, and then not mm. only that, uh, another piece of the material actually struck his son in the arm, either burning him or Broke completely it. breaking his arm. Uh, according, uh, depending on which account uh, See, you get across it, the thing,
1: and there is varying accounts of this because I read an account that it was his son that was burned by one bit, and one of the deck hands that he had brought on the ship. Got his arm broken from a piece hitting him. Mm. So it's like I, I, I had read a slew of accounts, and one of them was that. Right. So.
0: so, um,
1: like, like the, you
0: could say a lot of it, perhaps, like some of the inconsistencies, uh, that are that span some of the accounts, can probably be chalked up to this, this case being so old. It's like sixty yeah. years old. You know, so it's gone. Let's through add one a bunch in there.
1: His son lost his eye. The molten went right through his eye. He And he wore a patch for the rest of his life. Sure. So I'm adding one more. And there you go. That makes it's, sense. It's added into the lore. It's canon now. I buy it. I hope one day I hear some, this written down. that Some accounts state he lost his eye. And now from the
0: debris that landed on the ship, uh, Dahl said they were recovered a few pieces of it and he said that he found it to be a a, like a pale white in color and sometimes and very lightweight for for the mass or you know lightweight for the, the amount or the size of the chunks that they got and that's what he described recovering from not only his boat but they would go on to recover pieces of or what they believed to be uh that material that was expelled from the craft uh on the beach near where they had been that day how much yeah. of this material do we know? Like, did they ha- did they give us an estimate of it? Uh, I they had at least enough to to fill fill a box. I think it was like a small box, probably. Like, was it uh, heavy?
2: Like, because in my head, it sounds like one of these ships were either malfunctioning or damaged, and they had to like cut some weight to get the fuck out of there.
3: Yeah, right. Isn't that isn't that a thing in like in aviation? If like you had a something's wrong with your plane, can you dump fuel? Is that is that a thing? If you like, if you're like going down to try and. Last ditch effort, like dump fuel to try and coast your way
0: farther or something. And You can dump the, f- I mean, you can dump the fuel um, tanks, like they do that sometimes to go faster. But. <laughs>
3: That's what I mean. If you're, if you're trying to coast or something, trying to like glide a little farther or try and get away from there, you can you could dump fuel and maybe you could glide a little bit farther to, for safety or something. Uh, maybe, possibly.
1: So maybe this is some element like 115 or what you're whatever.
3: It's about to go. It's about to go. Uh, you know, past the point of no return. It's about to go full chain reaction, nuclear. Explosion and they just dump it in the ocean on the, on this guy's son and dog.
1: <laughs> now, when when I read this, this was this piqued my interest a lot because I don't know if it was cosmic channels 3.4, 3.5, 3.6. But we had a caller who called in with the UFO sighting and that claimed that like one of these UFOs left slag like all over a road. Right. And they sent us in pictures. And the pictures were super interesting and and they posted pictures to our Facebook group. So then when I read this, I was like, oh, shit, I wonder if this is similar to the account that whatever this person had seen and taken pictures of uh, that listened to our show. And this this was obviously happened more recently. I'm going to say it happened from 2000 on. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Um, You'd have to go back and find the specific cosmic channels call. But this struck me as as interesting that we like after hearing someone's first hand account and now reading about this about this slag metal falling, I'm like, this isn't unheard of. this isn't like this maybe was the precedent, but we've heard this now again more recently yeah. Uh, after,
0: after the craft actually expelled the, the material of whatever, and some of it was recovered by doll, uh, doll said that the craft went on to rejoin the formation of the other craft and then they took off up above the clouds and then he couldn't see, he lost sight of them, uh, after they, they reached that point. Now, according to some accounts, doll, uh, went to his boat and then he tried to radio for help, but the radio did not function. Uh, it's a pretty uh, standard electro-
1: UFO yeah.
0: issue. Dis- know, disrupt, you know, disrupting some radios. U- uh, some UFO accounts. And then they he said that they sailed back to their dock and they gave their dog uh, a burial at sea uh, uh, on so the way back.
2: Davy Jones' locker. You yeah. are a pirate dog.
3: Why would they drop the <laughs> why Why this? Get rid of the dog, man. Give them, no,
1: Those take- they're pirates. Hear me, he- hear me out. Send them to out. fucking
2: Davy Jones' locker. That's a burial at sea. It- here's the thing Fair.
1: maybe it's one you know they're 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 semen right like it's not like they're they it was a <laughs> joke it is a funny <laughs> one though. I do agree uh they're semen. so they're out there right they're you know they're they're, they're lover, well, we their lover a fellow semen. is the seed right? I mean I
0: would, I would I would I'd say they're like boatmen like
1: boatmen. <laughs> their life their lovers their ladies Shipmen. is the seed boatman sure. sure. um and imagine their dog like gets hit by a big enough, hard enough piece of slag to kill it. This dog's mangled, and if you're a boatman, you're on the ocean all the time. Like, I feel like that would be a fitting. Like, if I were a boatman and I died on the boat, it's like, you know, like, what do you, what do you want to happen when you die? I'd be like, put me in the, the sea. I want to be the in the sea. Yeah,
2: you're old Sparky always wanted to go, in right? Go and especially the dog lived his life
1: on the boat, like.
2: You know what or I mean? Or you to can me, save the mangled dog and be like, "Something fucking fell from space and killed my dog." Can somebody explain this to me? This is you know what? Normal. Though you're not Here's thinking, though. you're
1: not thinking straight. Like you know, if you had real time, like you'd probably be so upset. Your last thoughts are like, "No, like I'm gonna save this dog as evidence." You're like, "That's my fucking dog that I loved, dude." Or the yeah, dog, you know,
3: the dog is so mangled by the slag, it's like melted in half. You just gotta get. You don't want to look yeah. at it anymore. Just sorry, dog. Yeah, sorry, you're just my are like, sorry,
1: buddy. Um, I don't know.
2: I feel like the first thing you'd want to do is get to shore Because you're like are we going to sink Well that's funny enough that's one of the things they
1: did They actually beached their boat Getting the fuck out of there They're like holy like full Put the dog funeral on hold Yeah He's like He he, he turns to his son He's like throw that fucking dog overboard We got to lose some weight Get us out of here Start paddling Yeah
0: So all four of the witnesses would go on to report the event to local police, uh, saying that some crafts or some craft had spilled out uh, some type of material out into the ocean and and they reported on what they had seen. So you have a firsthand account. You have uh, what appears to be physical evidence of a UFO. Um, And so you would think that would be good enough already. But the story gets even better. Uh, from this one. So Dahl took his son to the hospital for treatment. Uh, you know, if you're worried about the son. And then he told his boss, Fred Chrisman, who we mentioned before, uh, what had happened. Now, Chrisman uh, reported that he didn't really believe Dahl's story. He's but- like, you're
1: always late for work, motherfucker. Do you want to you know a nice? Days it- off?
0: You want to know an inst-
2: interesting fucking factoid about Chrisman? What? Uh, Chrisman was also called in as a witness for the JFK trial. Yes. Um, he was supposedly, according to Jim Garrison, he was one of the guys that was portrayed in uh, Oliver Stone's JFK movie. He was one of the prosecutors. He was post, like possibly, put forward as one of the fucking uh, what do you call it? the three tramps, uh, one of the shooters
1: from the Grassy Knoll. He, yes. Chrisman actually has an interesting you know, he has an interesting piece of history. We could probably do some yeah, a there, bonus there's, content. There's, on some Chrisman. Infor-
0: there's some bits of biographical information about Chrisman that are uh, kind of right? interesting. <laughs> Super bizarre, man. Not only that, but there are a couple of the ones we could probably get into. It but gets we could,
1: weirder than that. We could, we could go down some rabbit holes with Chrisman, but they don't tie back into this case at all. No, no. they tie to um, other cases and maybe we should do an after hours on the guy, but interesting fella. To,
0: to try and verify what, what Dahl had told him, Crispin went back to the the actual island and the area where Dahl said that he had seen these uh, craft and where some of the debris had, had peppered onto the beach. And then he said that while he was actually gathering some rocks, which seemed to match the description of what uh, what Dahl said he had seen drop from the craft, he reported that he actually sighted one of the ships that matched the description of what Doll had told him—this donut-shaped craft made of a reflective material—and then he felt as this ship was watching him. And then, as he was watching the craft and he was collecting this material, the craft took back up, took off, back up into the clouds, and then disappeared. So uh,
3: you think they maybe were coming to like cover their tracks? Maybe, perhaps they're trying to recover yeah. some of that precious fuel they dumped. Maybe that shit was expensive. Yeah, yes. I'd imagine so. I
1: mean, I do have I do have a th- working theory on what I think Christmas saw that day. Um, Were they thinning the veil? Well, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> okay. um, where did the UFOs come I, from? I don't. I don't want to get into it. Well, maybe I should. You're, it's you're tough committed because it's also tied into my. It's too late. I'm already into you're it. You're committed, All right? Okay. What, <laughs> what I think it possibly was, where it's like you know, if this is some sort of maybe this is some sort of human alien working relationship that we do hear about in later years. Um, and the crash one was human operated. And this is them just coming back and they're, they're monitoring the area. Right. So they're, they've, they know where they dropped stuff. They know where they left evidence and they're just, they're just keeping tabs on the area to make sure there isn't salvagers like this because whatever was dropped, like you said, was some sort of precious metal. Maybe it was element fi- 115. You know, whatever propels their ship, they lost some. And, or it's some unique type of metal that they don't want in the hands of someone else because it, it's so rare on Earth or doesn't exist at all.
3: Okay.
1: So covering their tracks. Yes.
3: Try and get rid of whatever they dropped there. I like that.
0: So according to uh, some historians and and accounts, uh, the next morning or several days later, depending on where you read it, uh, a mysterious man appeared and contacted uh, Dahl and seemed to have something to say to him on the subject of this craft. It knew what he had saw. Or they knew so, like some type of they authority asked. figure, like someone like
3: on a, looking to investigate, kind of thing. Indeed, somebody driving an all-black Buick, potentially.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Wearing red, red lipstick and doing perhaps, magic tricks.
0: Perhaps dressed Make- in dark-colored clothes, a cap, Taking things you thought you saw
2: you did not see. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> did hear him.
1: Him. him? Don't want to get near him. <laughs> I mean,
2: luckily for for Mr. Dahl, the good guy's dressed in black. Remember that. Remember that.
3: Remember that.
1: <laughs> the you know, this mysterious man in black, he he's he's quoted as saying, I know a great deal more about this experience of yours than you will want to believe. Which is a super fucking weird thing to say. Because to me, that makes me think that maybe they lost some time out on the boat, and they didn't even realize it.
2: Well, I think luckily for us too, they they actually had this conversation out in public, and I'm They'd pretty be- sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they had somebody they like. They had this conversation actually at a local breakfast, you know, spot in <laughs> this city, and we had somebody actually overhear this entire conversation. Is yeah, uh, Mister
1: Doll. I want to thank you for meeting me today.
3: Ah, yeah, no problem. Are you
1: wearing lipstick? Hey, listen, don't worry about that, okay? Now, what do you remember that happened? What do you remember? Uh, Morning, sweethearts. Can I get you guys some coffees? Yeah, yeah, listen. Yes, uh, get us some coffees, a black. uh, He'll take, just bring some cream of sugar, and then just leave us alone, okay?
4: Well, of course, honey. Don't mind me. Don't mind me.
1: Okay. Now, Mr. Dull. About Sweetie, yesterday. I'm so
4: I'm so hard. Sorry. Did you guys want sugar in your coffees?
1: B- Black is fine. Just there's cream of sugar on the table.
4: Of course. My apologies. You guys are sweet enough. Don't worry about it, honey. I'm out of here.
1: Yeah, thank you. Now, Mr. Dull. Now, back to what I wanted to talk about here. Yesterday, what a-
4: now, yes. so I decided, who wanted decaf? Did you want, <laughs> Jenna, over here with the lipstick, did you want decaf? Excuse me, lay, f- no no one, It's we're here for Ooh. breakfast, there's no decaf, no one wants- Listen, you're feisty, I like that, I'm out of here, don't worry about it, sweetheart, I'm gone, I'm a ghost.
3: So, uh, you guys going to tell me who or what killed my dog? Mr. Dull? That's
1: quite complicated now. I want to get into that. Now, honey, up.
4: do you guys want to hear the the, the breakfast specials here? Now we got a killer we got a killer bacon and eggs. We got really good steak and eggs. Garment
1: lady, it, God damn it. I've already I've, I've, I'm I'm uh, trying to have a conversation.
3: I I'm getting I'm getting pretty hungry.
1: I mean, do, do you Do you guys uh, what do you guys got for Bennies? You got some good toppings out here out uh, west?
4: Oh, yeah, sweetheart, it's great. Don't worry about it. It's coming right up.
1: Uh, The fact that they, I don't know who initiated the breakfast meeting, whether it was (laughs) Dull or the Men in Black, but the fact that someone was like, you want to hit this diner? and, uh, Hey, mysterious stranger, I don't know. We can meet over breakfast or that Dull was already there for breakfast and he just slid in and was like, Mr. Dull, I've been watching you. And Dahl
3: just looks up in astonishment as this guy has a bald ass head and is wearing makeup. Like, oh
1: yeah. shit! Yeah, and the server comes in. He's like, "He'll have it medium <laughs> with baking <laughs> the lumberjack special, cream, two coffee." Either way, I'm pretty sure. Dahl, grown, I think
0: Dahl, uh, in, in his account, he said that the he was contacted by this mysterious man and he invited him out for breakfast and then See, started kind of levelling these these vague uh, what Dahl took to be threats, veiled threats uh, against him. You know, invited him,
2: him out for some conspiracy coffee and some
0: fucking yeah alien eggs here. Yeah, him. we could very well put that and neuralize them uh, right in the diner. A lot of UFO historians would put this as the origin for the Men in Black. Like this is probably the first real modern account you have of some type of person claiming they're part of some uh, some organization uh, and and you unnamed. Know, leveling telling them, you know, you didn't see what you thought you see. We know about this. If you talk to any about anybody about this, something bad is going to happen. Yeah.
2: yeah, more empty threats from these fucking guys though. Like, come on. They've never done anything in any of these stories.
3: Did this man in black or man in black did he make threats against Doll's family or did he just say like I know more
0: than you nothing, know? No. You want to you want to fucking specific. go the way your dog did, buddy? But <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, I th- I think uh it, it's been uh, it's been established that he's kind of like he told doll pretty much the, the sentiment was, if you tell people about this or if you go public with this knowledge, uh, you know, it won't be good for you. I think is pretty much. What well, the general consensus And, is what he and said. like,
1: like based on what we're going to hear next, like doll does tell his story and things don't go that great for doll. Well, it's <laughs> worse for other people, but it is. it's funny. Cause like, <laughs> Whenever you hear about these
2: guys, it makes you just like, makes you really think that, like, the movie and the song, it's all fucking MIB propaganda. They're like, trying to make you think that these guys are all cool and nice and the good guys <laughs> dressed in black. Remember, no, they're scary and they wear lipstick and they threaten you and it's not good. None of these guys are nice. They're pieces <laughs> of shit and they're terrifying. It's not he's Will like, you Smith. don't even know I mean, what Tommy happened Lee Jones to
0: you. is terrifying. I, mean, I know. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a newer, gentler MIB now after the Will Smith generation took over. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones would be a pretty scary guy.
1: He's badass dude.
2: <laughs> yeah, but he's he's had that little lovable, you know? HK had a little bit of lovable side to him.
1: Yeah, the gruff, right? Like, he, Yeah.
2: Just wants to be a male soft man.
1: Soft heart. And be married.
2: Just, you know?
0: <laughs> uh. Now... Um, Post, you know, man in black encounter. You have Doll's story uh, makes it again. They they report it to the local police. It makes out to the local papers. So the story starts circulating about uh, him and Chrisman being involved in sighting one of these UFOs. So it, it, it's not quite clear how it gets out to as far as say Chicago because you get um, it, you get Ray Palmer who is the editor of Amazing Stories. Uh, yeah, who who we've popular heard science fiction
1: a bunch magazine. about Ray Palmer in the last 200 episodes. This isn't the first time I've heard the name Ray Palmer. Palmer.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's fucking Laura Palmer's great uncle, isn't it? No. Little, little <laughs> Twin Peaks for you there. No? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, Ray Palmer, he's the he's the Adam. Yeah, you're right. He is. I have the Adam number one. Upstairs, and actually, right Ray right now, Palmer, that actual editor, like the Adam, the character, the alter ego, uh, Ray Palmer is an homage to Ray Palmer. Like it, oh, it, Amazing Stories that. was a popular science fiction magazine. They were known for buying some of Isaac Asimov's like early works. Because uh, it's unpopular. Astonishing Tales, number one, right? Where the Adam makes his first appearance. I got to look that up. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, have to, hmm. I just know that Ray, that I knew that name, Ray Palmer. I was like, I know Ray Palmer. I've seen Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> uh now, Ray Palmer had a relationship with Kenneth Arnold, who we've probably mentioned, I think we've All mentioned American at least counts. once uh, on the podcast. And Kenneth Arnold was one of the people who had one of the first really modern uh, accounts of an encounter with a UFO while he was flying uh, around June 24th, 1947, that very same year in. Uh, and he was flying, and he actually encountered a number of UFOs. And his story is actually popular itself. So, well,
3: yeah, his his encounter through the media is how the objects got the term "flying saucers." Like, that's right, right? Like flying silver discs. Like that was the standard, right? For a from while. his account, yeah, right.
0: Uh, that's how he described the objects that he cited in his encounter, uh, his aerial encounter. Uh, so. The thing is, as the result of that, and he was really like the first, uh, the first one to kind of popularize UFO uh UFO encounters, and this is kind of the beginnings, this is the birth of UFO culture. You could say that. And he became like the de facto uh expert on UFOs mm-hmm. because he had had a, a serious close encounter, what he what he perceived as a close encounter with these craft. So now So the first UFO just. Pretty much. I mean, he had this encounter, the first real believer, whatever, whatever you want to call him. The first uh, theorist. He became really the first point of contact for anyone kind of interested in UFOs. So um, he had a relationship, like I said, with Ray Palmer and Ray Palmer actually asked him to uh, to go and interview Christmas. Now, uh, Kenneth Arnold had actually been in the Pacific Northwest and investigating. Like his his encounter with UFOs kind of began his his what his you know that started his future of just becoming a you know a, the first I don't know you want to say it, first ufologist or whatever. But he yeah. pretty much after this his encounter he started investigating UFO reports like all over the United States. That's pretty much what he did. Um, and amazing stories. Ray Palmer, like he actually. Paid him. He was like, Hey, I'll give you 200 bucks and, uh, you know, to pay for expenses and you go out there and go talk to this guy for me, get some information, find out what he actually saw. And so Kenneth Arnold is like, Yeah, sure. Why not? Why like, not? Oh, fucking. It now. Um Kenneth Arnold sounds like a really amazing kind of person because it's just like he he shows up in a couple of UFO stories and it's like this dude, like he's a pilot. So he's just flying his own plane around the United
1: States. I bet bet he had that dope ass like brown bomber jacket with like the fur around some (laughs) aviators that he'd he'd come and whip off. That's how I picture him or some type of like (laughs) some type of Kenny Arnold. Yeah. Big collared um, fur coat. Aviator slash UFO specialist.
0: <laughs> so Arnold arrived in Tacoma, Washington, uh, where where Dahl and Chrisman were residing in late July. And he actually kind of contacted his friend EJ Smith, who's also uh in the very beginnings he he was also critical to the beginnings of uh, UFO lore as EJ Smith was another person uh, he was actually a pilot for United Airlines I believe and he had an encounter while flying out of Boise Idaho uh, that year as well with some type of craft what he described seeing uh, you know these silver, uh, these silver UFO crafts and I think Arnold and Smith actually began their relationship when they were being interviewed by like federal agents like they they were they're in Chicago or they're in some place where they were being interviewed about their encounters they were both there at the same time and they kind of started up a relationship uh through their shared just, experience just of like that the, thing so
1: that's telling to me like imagine imagine being someone who's seen something and you're like, this was not something from here. And you meet one other person who's saying very similar things to you and you're like, "God damn, you've seen it too? You've seen one too. And they're like, yes. You instantly have the connection of the two of you have seen and know something that no one else does. And you know something for sure. Are you crazy? Because I'm
2: fucking crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Should we be crazy together? (laughs) (laughs) Let's fucking do it. We're not alone,
1: right? They're like, hey. Hey, buddy. They're like the first,
3: the first like, The first conspiracy bros. The first move on the first two co-conspirators. Yeah,
0: I mean they're they're like the dynamic duo of ufology in the very beginning like it's it kind of felt like they kind of got together again over their shared experience and they're like you've seen something I've seen something we both can't explain it nobody can really tell us what we saw but it sounds similar so why don't we go look for more (laughs) like why don't we look for more people who have?
1: they're putting together super team (laughs) this is this is is Magneto and uh, (laughs) Professor X they're going to round up the other mutants before
3: we get a little more into uh Smith and Kenneth Arnold in Tacoma, Washington. Let's take a quick beer break. Refill. We'll be right back.
1: Yep. There we go. Here come the men. We're back. Woo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So now you have Arnold and EJ Smith uh, going to interview Dahl and Chris Really quick. Uh, I think we need to add Ken Arnold to the manly
2: triangle. Kenneth Arnold. We can. Yeah. Ken Arnold. That's a fun. Now you're making a square though. Can we do yeah, that? Yeah, he we could be Miles right in the middle of away. it though. He could be right in the middle of it. He's probably got a toenail on on the end of his penis too. He's a fucking badass. Yeah, I don't want to be Arnold. in that club. I hope I'm never in the club where they yeah, have, have a toenail, a toenail on your dick. It's a burden, Dan, but they carry
1: it with pride. Yeah, right. True. It happens when you get so much that the tip calluses. <laughs> yeah. You just you just so <laughs> get so much action. <laughs>
3: Followed it's, immediately by
0: syphilis. It's horrifying.
1: Uh, yeah, it's either that or some sort of terrible STI. <laughs> so now the events
0: of uh, Arnold and Smith's interviews with and, and subsequent interviews with Smith, uh, Dahl, and Crispin kind of covered between July 31st and August 3rd. Now, there's a lot that is packed within these couple of days um, that happens. Now, and, and some of it's actually quite interesting and quite some of them are kind of curious events that happen. So with uh, Arnold and Smith arriving in late July, the two of them met Dahl and Chrisman and they went out to ex- the first thing they wanted to do was examine Dahl's boat and then conduct a, you know an interview about what Dahl saw. Now, Dahl and Chrisman uh, did not produce pictures, which Dahl and Chrisman had both said that one. I believe one of them had actually taken photos of this craft. I think Dahl, when they had beached the boat, had had. Accounted In one of his accounts, he had said that he had taken actual photos of the craft, Um and they couldn't produce those actual pictures uh, of what they had taken.
1: Well, you know, when I first read that, I was like, well, that's kind of suspicious. But then I also forget that this is also 1947. So, <laughs> you know, the quality takes- of these cameras
2: think about how long it takes for that little woodpecker to (laughs) chisel into the fucking stone a
0: picture of you
1: know (laughs) like
0: fucking flintstones (laughs) exactly it wasn't exactly like that but uh, i've seen it on flintstones dan i was pretty much a
1: little more readily available and stuff but you know to get it developed it's it's this is it's not like fucking 15 minute walmart you know you drop it off and show it back up at your one hour photo like it, it 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 wasn't as easy or readily available as it is now. So the fact that they weren't able to produce photos just a little more than a month later didn't really surprise me that much.
0: And some accounts say that they weren't able to produce these photos because there had been damage to the actual negatives themselves. Uh, In some reports, it said that they had like uh, there were holes in the negatives that had been produced by some method. And then it's convenient. All right. (laughs) Convenient. Um, uh, and so now you have Dahl uh, also to- telling Arnold that shortly after this event, uh, his son had actually disappeared. Disappeared? That's Right. Vanished? Because the next thing you would want to ask about is like, well, you know, your son was injured was seriously injured whether it was a burn or serious burn or a broken arm depending on some accounts like you know we, you, they'd ask about like you know how's your son like where's your son at and doll actually told him that his son the had disappeared shortly after the events well uh, luckily he's got two day.
2: fucking deckhands that can
0: back up his story right we never hear about those guys oh
2: we don't oh
0: that's <laughs> weird okay never mind so Dahl would later go on to say that his son had actually been found waiting tables in Montana, like a couple <laughs> weeks after he had disappeared, but ran he away to get on fucking there.
2: Off Broadway fucking play
1: somewhere in Montana. big dreams, I- big city dreams in Montana. I'm sure. The, like uh, with Dahl's son, not being able to rem- like, he just doesn't remember being there. Like that struck me as really weird. Cause I'm like, okay, well either like I'm, I'm just saying like there's, if everyone in this is to be like, if you're saying like, hey, this is all fucking a hoax and these people, I'm like, it feels like you'd be able to tell like, Dulson, like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you don't remember? And like someone, someone would not be a good actor. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's already too many people involved. And for this, it it strikes me as odd where I'm like, okay, well, the the MIB over, you know, over some fucking Eggs Benny. Told him that if he continued to tell people and have stuff, bad stuff would happen. So maybe in my mind, where I went with this, where I was I was like, maybe this his sign moving to Montana and stuff was like an early precursor to like MK Altrysh kind of shit, right? Where they or maybe he just didn't want to play along with his dad's bullshit, but didn't want to out his dad. Or maybe he was traumatized
3: by the event. He had to get out of town his dog died dog got got melted by molten slag from the sky he got his arm burnt he said I'm out broke did his arm too
1: well burnt his arm possibly broke it one of the deckhands may have had their arm broken that we or for all we know, know they could have fucking died we didn't
2: yeah we don't know much about the way that. he with the way
1: with the way doll throws people over ship once he, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he would have wanted to be in the sea <laughs> What this guy broke his arm throw him over he's gone hey he's put some of that fucking, slag in his pocket. Yeah. throw yeah. him in
0: so now you have these kind of three leads you're like okay well they don't have the dog uh, they don't have the the two crewmen to back them up on the story uh, the sun has mysteriously disappeared and hasn't been found and is not there to be questioned uh, to verify or collab corroborate their you know their sighting uh, but what they do have and what they do produce for uh, for for uh, for Arnold is that he had, they have a box of some of the material that they had recovered uh, when they had seen the object. So the stuff that had dropped off and some of the stuff they had managed to collect from the ship and then, you know, p- pieces of debris uh, that they said that they found on the beach, uh, they could produce this and they, you know, they showed it to Arnold and uh, uh, Arnold, you know, understandably excited at being able to actually physically, you know, interact with a with a material from a UFO. Uh, got on the phone and contacted uh, an Army Air Force intelligence officer uh, who he's acquainted with, Lieutenant Frank M. Brown. Uh, I th- I believe that they were acquainted with each other in the same way, um, or you know, their meeting had happened at the same time that him and EJ Smith had been at this doing their uh, reports on what they had seen or being interviewed at the same time about their sightings, uh, back in Chicago. So that was the first time they had met. So he knew Lieutenant Frank Brown and, and, you know, probably said, Hey, if you ever seen anything again, they were acquainted enough to be like, Hey, I I'm looking into this right now. Can you come over here and, and check this out? Lend us some of your expertise. So Frank Brown, uh, decided that, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll come down there. Um, you know they had the the time and the resources to do it. So he flew up from Hamilton Field in California, uh, along with a company of another officer, uh, Davidson. And these two men went on to interview. They, they got there uh, rather late on. Uh, is it July uh, in July? Like rather late at night. I think they they didn't really meet with both Dahl and Chrisman until like eleven thirty at night. Or something like that. Yeah, I thought they came like
3: mid they flew midnight like to get there.
2: Well, and that's interesting because it makes you think it's like, is this is this something that's piqued their interest enough? Is this something that potentially was already on their radar? So like fuck, we gotta get there, we gotta see this. Is this a really good case or is it the fact that like world war two had ended what like two or three years ago and we're like pre-cold war and they're like anything comes in like this. We need to fucking figure this shit Dude. out now. Cause this could be the goddamn Russians.
3: Exactly. So that, that's where I thought when I first read it, I was like, okay, so Roswell happened. What was like, so Roswell happened after this. It was in 13 days before. So July 7th was Roswell happened. 47. This event happened before but they didn't come forward right it didn't like make the papers right away right so by that time like palmer and smith they get there and now roswell has like it's gone through the full zeitgeist right it's gone like oh the recovered ufo military recovers ufo blah 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 and then it's already been reversed like no it's a weather balloon so there's already now there's this like mass hysteria about what this roswell craft was so you get this story coupled with Palmer who's already friends with these guys he calls them up like hey listen we might have like another Roswell here they're like we'll be r- we'll be right there they just fly or, right yeah. up.
1: we're already in the air yeah <laughs> we've been circling <laughs> just waiting uh you've already got the, the the
0: cold war ramping up so i'm sure you know the general sentiment could also be said that it was like they wanted to get out there and see if this was actually some type of soviet technology that this is something that the yep. soviets were using to either observe or um you know for military purposes or whatever they just wanted to see what it was um so brown and davidson traveled out there they flew out there uh, rather late at night um, but they're also pretty keen to get back um early uh August 1st. So they flew out there July 31st, like that day. And then, um, you know, they got there 1130. They had their interview, uh, with, with the two men, Dahl and Chrisman. you know, uh, after pleasantries with, uh, with Palmer and EJ Smith, who they knew and, you know, kind of conferred with them about what, what they had their thoughts on what, what the material was. Um, you know, they, Weren't necessary. They were necessary. Like, I think they were keen to actually take it back. Like they wanted to take it back to the um to their to their base, back to Hamilton Field and, you know, get someone to take a look at it, get get it somewhere where they could, you know, examine it more closely and. Um, but
1: I thought they right of, I thought
2: they were right away. Like oh, it's fucking aluminum. It was a waste of time. Let's get the fuck.
1: Out well, here. no, they had heard. <laughs> they had heard that there was. I can see. I can metal see a Pepsi recovered. logo
2: on this fucking can. This is <laughs> aluminum.
1: I'm out this here. A, hey, <laughs> who who here likes Budweiser? Because this is just a bunch of melted cans. Yeah. He's got a smelter on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what
3: they so, said. They said they, in the readings, it says like they kind of seemed like they knew what it was, but they didn't want to like upset Arnold because kind of friends. So they just kind of like took it and left.
0: Right. They they took the box. Um hey, when yeah they you went guys out forgot their... it. Oh yeah shit. Yeah. yeah right <laughs> I, I think super
2: important. We better get this to the lab right away. <laughs> it, it, you it got it possibly Kenny? Went like that because <laughs> yeah.
0: I think they were going to leave like they saw what it was and they they had their uh assumptions or from their expertise, like their experience they're like this is this is just regular aluminum. There's nothing Um, there's nothing unusual about this material or nothing struck them as being out of the ordinary. And so they were getting ready to leave, to go back to Hamilton field. And they were wanted to make it back for the August 1st, because that was going to be the auspicious day that the air force actually became the air force. This is like Mm. the formation of the air force originally before this date, uh, the, like it had been like the army air corps, which had been the people with it, like you know mostly the planes and all of that stuff that flew the bombers it was all the US army now the air force was going to become its own entity uh, that day so they wanted to be there for the you know for the pomp and and whatever the festivities that would probably follow that day um now when they were getting into the car you know uh, uh, Arnold go ahead and gave them the box and was like here you know take this So it was reported that they took the box and they said, "Okay, yeah, we'll have somebody, you know, look at it. Uh, They took the box with them. By all accounts, they had loaded the box onto a B-25 bomber uh, when they were flying out of McCord Airfield around two o'clock in the morning. And then while flying back en route to Hamilton, their B-25 caught fire and crashed, killing both those officers, the two enlisted men that were with them, that were pilot actually piloting the craft, managed to to pair, to parachute to safety. But both Davidson and Brown were killed.
1: And oh, this also were those technically two makes them the black? Force's where they what? were in lipstick and black. Huh? It is huh? suspicious. It is suspicious that the two pilots are like, yeah, we made it up with parachutes, but these other two guys that were investigating these UFOs and stuff.
2: Hey, there's only two parachutes we want
1: from us. Hey, couldn't help. Hey, we luckily about it. were already wearing ours. Uh, they weren't. No big deal. Don't worry about it. Let's not ask any more questions. Oh.
0: So, you have this crash of the B 25 bomber itself. So, not only is the crash a little bit or seems a bit suspicious, but you had five anonymous calls that were reported to a writer, a writer for the Tacoma Times newspaper that occurred between July 31st and August 2nd. So there's kind of like a little timeline about how the phone calls went. So first, the first phone call was on July 31st, 1130 a.m. And the phone call reported that there was going to be a big meeting taking place at the Winthrop Hotel where Arnold and Smith were both staying. And it was going to be about regarding, you know, it was going to be with some military higher ups and they were going to meet about the uh, it was implied that they were going to meet about something uh, pretty big. Now, Mm. on August 1st, sometime between 11 a.m. and noon, a phone call from the same caller came in and reported that a B-25 had crashed and was carrying fragments of the flying discs, which Dahl had seen. Um, this was actually before the there had been a public announcement of the B-25 crash. So this is August 1st, early, you know, early, you know, late morning to noon, right? Right after the B-25 had crashed that evening, you know, around two in the morning, or that morning, early that morning. And then the next call is at August 1st, 5.30 p.m. You get a phone call that identifies, actually identifies the two Army officers killed in the crash, saying that it's both Davidson, you know, Lieutenant Davidson and Brown, and that the the release, the press release will confirm what they said. This information had not made public yet to the newspapers or any local newspapers or anything yet. So the the caller said that they were going to be confirmed, that these were the two officers that were killed. On August 1st, 6.30 p.m., just an hour after that, the caller calls back, claiming that the plane was shot down. It was actually shot down. It didn't crash uh, because of some technical failure. It said that it was probably shot down. And then the very next day, the same caller called in, anonymous, never gave their name, and claimed that the plane was definitely He called to confirm that the plane had definitely been shot down by a 20 millimeter cannon to be specific. And the caller reported that another plane near Mount Rainier had met the similar fate what? and also been shot down by a 20 millimeter cannon. So this that? is, they're flying on the 31st to get
3: home for the first Right. Is that, that like, that's when they, leave. well,
0: no, they flew, they flew back like the 31st, the night of the third, well, to get back for the first the morning, yeah. early morning, August 1st. They're trying to get back for the
3: first though, for like the inauguration of the air force right to
0: get back in the morning and be there for the afternoon and things like that. yeah
3: And then we get all these anonymous calls seemingly right before, right before they leave and then right pretty much right when they're flying that the has been shot. Well, it was
0: before they even arrived.
1: Yes, yeah, what I mean. Well, so 11:30 yeah,
0: a.m. is before the the military officials even got there to have officers. the meeting.
1: But like right. I look when I looked at this timeline, I I look at it like this: the July 31st call is fact that happened. So whoever's calling to let them know that this is going to take place knows it's going to take place. This this happens. It's confirmed later. This is fact. August 1st call is fact. So this person obviously knows before other people that this plane has crashed. The second call on August 1st is fact. Two people were killed and he's calling before any press release, anything is, is confirmed. And this is later confirmed. It is fact. The only two that aren't confirmed fact are the next two, uh, the, the, where he says, this is a probable shot down. And then August 2nd, calling back to say, this is a definite shot down. Why start lying there? Like, to me, I'm like, you're, you're spitting facts. You're spitting facts. You're spitting facts. Like you're obviously there's some concern with this call is like, you're in the know, you're making these phone calls. You, whoever's making these calls definitely shouldn't be making these calls with whatever position they're in. So for me, for them to just be like, all right, I actually just want to kind of perpetrate a hoax now. Doesn't make sense to me. So what makes sense to me is that this plane was in fact shot down, and the reason I I even give this more credence was because this was an interesting time with the Air Force just about to, you know, become its own entity. There's a lot of jockeying for where UFOs are going to go. Where is this investigations of UFOs going to go? Where are they going to land? Which agencies in charge of it? And let's just say for a second that there is another agency. And you know, has higher up generals or something that right now hold some information from Roswell from this, and they do not want this information getting out to any other agency. Why would you like? I just why would you leave survivors? Why
2: would there be survivors if the plane was shot down? Like,
1: yeah, but who who cares about the pilots? Who cares about the like? They say, would know. They would know that the plane was fucking shot down. They know. Maybe, they would know hey, that it didn't just catch fire. Maybe they jumped out beforehand
3: because they were told to they were told to well how, well, well, how would you know the plane, the, um, how would you know the plane shot down though like if you're on the how pl- would
1: you know that these people are going for a meeting how would you know that the B-52 crashed before the press releases how would you know the two army officers killed before anyone else and we know we know that this is fact. We
2: know that we have like where are we getting this information from? That these anonymous well, these, calls came in with these pho- information. These
0: phone calls were reported by that Tacoma Times writer, and that it's actually and part where of the. the F, it's actually part of the FBI report that was written about this, and it, so, it came in before that these events happened for sure, hundred percent. So the only the only thing that kind of comes into question about the timeline, uh, in the report, it's heavily, it, it's heavily assumed that. It was probably Dahl or Chrisman who made these phone calls because the the thinking is that
1: I'm going to say Chrisman based on Uh, what we know about Chrisman and, you know, hashtag look it up. Interesting guy. And if there was someone that was potentially in the know of these things prior, it sounds like it might be Chrisman. Yeah, but Chris was also
2: the same guy that said that during World War II, he was fighting like lizard people with laser guns and fucking Burma. Fucking maybe he was. Buddy, maybe he was. Come on.
4: (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Um,
0: So again, uh, the thinking is that because it's known that Arnold and uh, Smith were in contact, like they heard about... The crash of the B twenty five, like early in the morning, they knew about this. Well, he they were friends with the guys too, weren't they? Right, and they were friends and or acquaintances of, with them. They knew each other, and they had heard about the crash from another um, from another source. I think one of the one of the McCord Airfield uh, officials uh, had actually reported the crash, and so they had called them about it, about details. And so the timeline actually, when they called and they get, were getting information from them. Uh, about the the crash. They didn't know the names because the, the, the official couldn't give them like the official names. And I think you could just say that, yes, there was a B-25 that crashed. And what time was it? And then that's pretty much all they could give them. You know, did you have any, I think they pretty much their line of questioning was, did any other B-25s fly out after, you know, after two in the morning uh, that night? And the answer was no. So then Smith and uh, Arnold knew that it was, you know, it was a very high probability that it was both Brown and Davidson who were on that plane and that they had perhaps died. And this information became, you know, they became privy to this information, you know, early in the morning and they were with Chrisman and Dahl when they were making phone calls to uh, the McCord Airfield. So it is possible that either two of them could have perhaps been making phone calls Uh, Make it or could any one of them could have been the anonymous phone
1: caller. I don't I don't doubt that one of them could be. But what I'm saying is I still believe what the the anonymous caller had information and I believed it had enough information from inside sources that it piqued the interest of the FBI after after these incidents.
0: Right. Uh, you have the FBI who after these events and after the, these anonymous phone calls uh, in association with Dahl and Chrisman uh, having their account of the UFO was strange enough to, you know, or interesting enough to warrant a, a special agent being dispatched to investigate uh, the event uh, itself. Like the actual like the they were going to investigate the deaths of those two officers and how it related to this interview that had taken place so the special agent was dispatched around uh on the days of august 7th uh 6th and 7th uh of that same year dude
1: it it, it's honestly it to me it's so perfect because these are now two air force men that weren't really air force men because they were basically crashed the same day the air force they're basically in limbo like i'm like why is the fbi handling this and not like the agency that they represented, but they were in some weird fucking limbo time between being Air Force men and Air Army Corps or whatever you said. I'm like, they were in this weird limbo. This was honestly a perfect time to just wipe everything they found, everything they brought off the map, in my opinion.
2: So the box. I mean, it makes sense to me that the FBI are investigating, especially if this is all based around a fucking hoax. You lost two fucking officers' lives from
1: this brought them out for no fucking reason. for some They're not fbi agents though you didn't lose fbi doesn't you didn't matter. use you didn't that's, lose scully and Mulder.
2: yeah but <laughs> you still who who do you have that's investigating these at this point in time right like do we know do we have some type of air force fucking police or whatever at the time air car police military police that would take lead on this
0: or would it be normal for the fbi to take over I mean, it's not like you have NCIS or anything. So that's what like I'm you wondering. You no, know, you'd send like the FBI because it has its, I think yeah. they would have jurisdiction because it was like between states, like yeah, so interstate not, kind of. Yeah. It's thing. not it's
1: like not, you got fucking Daniel, Lieutenant Daniel Caffey fucking going and looking over this. So FBI, <laughs> FBI jurisdiction takes over
3: when a case becomes like cross, like across borders, across states. Is that when yeah, FBI well, becomes? They, yeah. Fair. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so yeah.
2: that's why the FBI is involved.
3: So like, as they took, they
2: took, even off if it's Washington. military
1: though, you don't think that like, for me, I'm like, you don't think the military would send their own investigators.
0: I mean, NCIS, the Navy, like the Navy has their own investigative services. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the other ones. I don't know. Yeah, But Army the Air
2: Force wasn't were. even existing at this point. Exactly. In time. So they wouldn't have their own. Exactly. No, exactly. That's I'm why not- the FBI showed up.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 100% clear. I mean, somebody could look it up and probably tell us like when the like if they have internal investigative services and when they were established for the military, for the U.S. military. But off the top of my head, I don't know.
1: <laughs> what I'm saying is this is such a perfect time where. Like you know, when this is all happening, it's now the Air Force, and they're going, "Hey, w- what happened with this B 52 And the Uf- Air Force is going, "Well, we don't know. We just started. It's the it's the Air Marine Corps. They're like we don't exist anymore. We're not doing yeah, shit." Wouldn't the it's F- you guys? I don't. I don't, like, don't, I don't even I don't, have the I Really,
0: fucking. I don't think it works like that. <laughs> the FBI would have ta- would have investigated <laughs> like, this no an matter entire what plane we lost a B twenty five bomber. Somebody's gonna be responsible. I mean, I don't think it. I, I yeah, but who? That's the thing. It's it a
1: perfect like time that. where they're like, "Who?" And dude, got, like. With the government red tape and shit, I'm sure they were like arguing about whose responsibility it was. I'm sure. Yeah, but no matter
0: what, the FBI would investigate, would they not? So, I mean, the FBI investigated the, not necessarily, I don't think they investigated the crash. I think the crash was a military, the the crash retrieval, um, you know, and cleanup was a military operation. That's known. Uh, You know, they had blocked it off. Uh, There are reports that they didn't let in any um, uh, of the civilian. Uh, law enforcement agencies. Like I think some of the local sheriffs were, were denied entry <laughs> into the airplane crash area, but I mean, could also and not let our- Roscoe Pico Coltrane come in there and fucking <laughs> muddy up your crime scene. Um, you know, it was a pretty, to some accounts, like it was a pretty wide, uh, crash field. Like it, the way the plane went down, um, uh, from investigations later, reports said that there was some type of, there was a fire, um, or a failure in one of the, like the exact exhaust pipes on one of the wings, on one of the, oh, the, on the wing mounted rotors. Yeah. And then it just pretty much burned up the engine
1: like super fast, got in- yeah. insanely hot and then or ripped off the, it was hit by a fucking 20 millimeter cannon and exploded the wing. Uh, two on the, people on the fucking- lived
3: though. Yeah. Well here, the, the official story of the investigation was that Davidson and Brown. So they're the, they're the pilots, right? And the, the other two personnel in the back, the, the wing, the engine's on fire or the exhaust on fire. So they can keep the plane at altitude and controlled for a bit. So they tell them, like, hey, strap on your parachutes. Like, uh, this is like, you know, prognosis negative here. Like, this is going to go down. Some of the accounts I read, like, they actually kicked one of the guys out of the plane. Like, here's, pull the ripcord as you fall and, they like, kicked him out. And as the pilots tried to, like, control the plane, the actual wing broke off Right. Ma- making it so the pilots could not escape the plane because the wing hit the tail ru- the tail um, the tail fin and sent the plane into a downward like uncontrollable spiral and that's why two right. Lived so like and the wing like
0: sheared off yeah uh after becoming so hot and just like hit the side and then just made it it been into an uncontrollable spin and then it was like they couldn't get out. Like they would just be pinned inside the craft at that point. But
2: if these guys were in on it, they totally could have fucking just killed these guys and then fucking popped out and been like, oh the plane crashed, caught fire. You know what I mean? They didn't have to shoot it with a fucking cannon to kill these people. Yeah but what <laughs> and uh, cover up the
3: evidence. That's what I'm saying though say they did sh- it what hypothetically it was shot by a cannon. It clipped the wing, It lit it on fire. Like you don't hear the cannon fire when you're in the plane because if they're shooting from the ground or whatever, you're not going to hear the pop of the shell. They get a lucky shot. It hits the wing. Somebody
0: would. No, I'm just saying hypothetical. That's the thing about the 20 millimeter cannon. It's like, okay, so you're going to down it in like one shot? I'm just saying that would be difficult, I think, from a single 20, millimeter shell. I mean, multiple shots, maybe. But would you take the risk of your 20 millimeter cannon being fired off and being being heard by people in that area? Like, this is a remote area. So maybe. Yeah. But you'd have to drive the 20 millimeter cannon out into that area and then. You know, I mean, logistically, it, it sounds pretty difficult. Like the area that it crashed in is m- mostly inaccessible. Even the local sheriff said that they had trouble like getting people up there, um, you know, to to help with like the crash efforts
2: or they get a couple of so. fucking parachute ninjas that come up behind these dudes while they're fucking flying the plane, slip their throats and jump out the plane. Yeah, Problem I mean, saw bingo, yeah. bango, bongo. Yeah, Easy peasy, lemon squeeze No cannons, you know, Black men,
0: flight suits, you know, they came in from the side and, you know, or flying laser-guided sharks. No, I no know. that's stupid. We're going to shoot those. them with a
1: fucking cannon. <laughs> Got to make our point. While <laughs> cannons <laughs> accessible, laser-guided air sharks are not. Uh, you've so. never seen sky sharks. Yeah, so. you're right.
3: Forget, forget about my hypothetical. You're right. You're all right. It's all good. <laughs> Continue on.
1: I liked your hypothetical. I though. didn't
3: get a chance to finish it, but it's all good. Finish it. I'm saying hypothetical. If a cannon hit the wing... The pilots did not know what happened to the wing. It's on fire. The plane's not falling out of the sky right then, right? So then you're like, oh, we're on fire. I don't know what what's fucking happened. The fucking siren's going. They go back, put on your parachutes. They kick them out of the plane. They try and recover. The wing shears off, hits the tail fin. Down they go. The rest is history. Just saying. I like it. I Just like saying. it. If, I- hypothetical, if a cannon was used or another plane or... fuck, Maybe it was one of these goddamn UFOs didn't want you to find what they took on board the plane they
1: shot it down god damn who knows i i'm just i lean heavily i like your theory and i subscribe to it because the anonymous caller was right three of five we cannot confirm the fourth and fifth call but why start making up stuff then you're just making stuff up out of the blue everything else you would have to have a no Right? Like they identified the two army officers killed. Yes, it could be Dollar Christman and they would know, but that would have to be a fifty percent guess. Like they're like, hopefully it's the two that we met that died, and we're right. Right? Like they would they would have to make a guess because it, it didn't have to be those two that survived. It well, could have maybe it, they weren't
2: started investigating them earlier, like got a contact be like, We need to talk to you. The two people you met with fucking died in a plane crash. So we need to figure out what the fucking conversation was about. And that's how they knew that those two guys died. Maybe.
0: Right? That's why they're in the know. I mean, they knew about... They were in the room, you know, according to the FBI reports and, like, the deposition by uh, E.J. Smith and, um, like... Uh, Arnold would go on to give the the FBI and like the local investigation offices like they gave depositions saying that those two men were in the room when they were calling about information on uh, on Brown and uh, on Lieutenant Brown and Davidson so uh, the thing is is like because I think Lieutenant Brown had made it clear that he was going to go and it, he, he was he wanted to, to look into this but the higher-ups like he got the the idea or he felt like his higher-ups that kind of communicated their um their feelings towards it was it that it was a it was nothing burger like they're like we don't we don't really are worried about it so you know you guys can come on back and and don't worry about it but he he left the door open for arnold saying if you find out more hey stay a little longer with this guy talk to this guy see if you can get a uh, you know a bit more or you know get a get a clear picture of what they saw or what they didn't see and uh you <laughs> know get, we'll get back in contact and then uh and, and we'll figure out where to go from there i think that was the, the main idea of what the, the main feeling that arnold got so when they called the officials at mccord airfield about this um about uh in the morning um You know, and they asked them like, you know, it did any other B twenty five bombers fly out at two in the morning? And they said no. uh, And they heard about the crash. Then they're like, well, you know, it's probably them. Probably, right? I mean, again, it's a guess. They don't know. They don't know who the other two guys are, right? So, I mean, they, I mean, they know that those two guys were there, and then that's pretty much it. So, I don't know. Um, But yeah, but that that's pretty much what set off the FBI investigation on august 6th and 7th uh, where an fbi agent was sent to uh to interview doll and chrisman about you know what their connection was with this because you i mean in any good investigator you'd want to check out all the connections and this is obviously like to them right now i mean this seems like you know the death of these two uh these two army officers is pretty much you could you them. could put yeah you could tie it directly to Dahl and Chrisman. You could be like, you guys brought them out here, whether or not your report is um, even if the report is factual or whatever. You could be like, you guys brought them out here. Um, your story better be real or something like that. It's pretty much, you know, it's, it's kind of being like, you know, yeah. did you bring them out here on false pretenses? Is that why you brought them out here? And now two men are dead like that yeah. th- I think that's kind of you know kind of but at the same time they didn't happening. do it.
3: that plane if there was a mechanical issue it's going to go down on the next flight regardless you know what I mean
0: well I, yep. they probably didn't know that at the time right they wouldn't have been on that plane someone if... would have been on the plane no d- nobody would have been on that plane though nobody would Someone have would have, flown have been on that out. plane
1: on it, the next Eventually, flight. it would have flown the next time and it would have crashed. If it was if a if it was like mechanical they in a issue, rush. they didn't do a proper right. plane they check. Went,
0: they went specifically to investigate Dahl and Chrisman. I'm just saying that that's the case could be made that Dahl and Chrisman are in some capacity responsible for the deaths of the two army officers. Well, Even just, even pretty, just that, those are the last two people to fucking see them.
3: Right, other than the crew, right? right. But they obviously, they obviously weren't. I've seen but, the first forty-eight. I know how they do it. They weren't responsible <laughs> in the end because there was no charges laid, laid against them.
1: Yeah, they weren't responsible because they're at too home. busy looking for that cannon. That is circumstantial. Find those like, like to like to say that they would go because they're no. I get Zell's point. Like it didn't matter if that plane if if this was truly a mechanical issue. It didn't matter that it was this, this any the next two the next flight that that plane did was going to have an issue. Still got investigated, This is coincidence, yes. You still got investigated. Yeah, but I'm saying
3: they weren't charged with anything, right?
1: Well, yeah. No, they weren't charged with anything
0: because they said that they weren't necessarily responsible for it because they believed that what they brought them out there wasn't, like, intentional. They're like, you didn't bring them out here because in order to kill them or, (laughs) you know, in some type of spy. Like, in (laughs) worst case, they believed them to be some type of, like, Soviet spies. Like, that's... I think that's what the kind of what was the underlying suspicion, which was like everything at that time, which is like everybody's a Soviet at spy. At the
3: same time, it was actually Palmer who called them. So it was Palmer was equally as responsible as the two people who made the story.
0: Right. So now the the... The the agent that they sent there said that that one of the interesting parts of the story is that he went to Dahl's home and, you know, asking him about what he saw on that day, kind of tell him he wanted Dahl to tell him the story of what he had told what he had told uh, Palmer or he told um, Arnold and uh, Arnold and and. Smith, like what, what exactly had you told them? What did you tell the army officers? Tell me everything that you told me. And so uh, it's, it's related in the FBI report that doll kind of pulled him aside into the, into the kitchen of his home and kind of started relating to him in hushed tones about what was going on. And then like mid converse, like mid story, (laughs) his wife, doll's wife (laughs) busts in and is like, stop fucking telling these dumb stories. She's she told him, he's like, stop making up stories about what you saw.
2: Here's my question. It's
0: just some fantasy that you made up.
1: And then here's
2: my question. Where did she have breakfast that morning? (laughs) Hmm? Was she threatened over an eggs, Benny, by the men in black? You don't fucking know
1: Well, you know what, though, like, to be honest, like hearing that on the face of it is like if you're just like you read that part, you scammed, you didn't look into anything else. I would be like, well, that's concerning that the wife's getting mad at him. But then when you also looked at, like, you know, we didn't talk about that. His business at, like, in, during this time had also been vandalized, right? His son had gone missing. His dog had died, like, <laughs> and... Melted. you right. And he he had gone for breakfast with this mystery man who was going to say, hey, shut your fucking mouth or things are going to take a turn for the worse. And they started to, and he's still talking, and his wife's probably fucking fed. She's like, Listen! enough it's made up you didn't we're not talking about it it's done you're we're done we're it's it's all made believe people fucking died because of this shit stop right exactly right so it's like to me I'm like when I'm when we're looking at this I go like this isn't that surprising that she would have this kind of reaction because maybe she's actually taking the threat seriously
0: mm. and immediately Gosh. after this doll would go on like right after that uh, he would recant on his story to the special agent. He said, yeah, I made it up. You know, he, had, he, he went on to kind of admit that he had made this story up or, you know, it was some type of hoax perpetrated by him and Chrisman. And that's not the first time that he had, Done that. Like there, there are other accounts that him and Chrisman like have been approached in investigations about this, and they said that they had never said anything about. They initially they came out saying like we didn't say anything about UFOs. We had we had initially contacted a, an acquaintance in Chicago about analyzing some metal that we had found, but we had never said anything about UFOs. We don't know where the UFO story came from, and then uh, we just sent that, and we but we said something the. You know, the person in Chicago that they were acquainted with was uh, somebody it was another science fiction publication. And they said that they would have this stuff analyzed and they would say that um, like Dollar Christman would relate that we, the guy kind of wanted it to be material from a flying disc. So we said it was a flying disc. So it, it's not the first time that he, he would kind of go back on his story and then but he would also go back and say, no, I what I saw was real. And I said that, so we kind of like, it, there are parts of the story where doll doll kind of flip flops between going back in the story saying, yeah. you know, at one point he says like, you know what, if anybody asked me about it, I'll lie. And I'll tell him I never saw anything and I'm the biggest liar ever. Or I'll tell him I'm the biggest liar ever. And just, I'm tired of all this. I'm sick of it. Like at one point in the story, he just gets, you know, miffed off that he just, yeah, I'm yeah. tired of all this shit <laughs> that happened. So, you know, the, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then pretty much that's where it ends now you have a couple of investigations that went into looking in for the you know on the physical evidence side there are those who believe that that material that was on the the b-25 aircraft with both Davidson and Brown could have possibly been recovered or you know survived the crash so you have a number of things I know uh like for the show we watched the there was a episode of UFO hunters they went to the crash site trying to look for you know pieces of the the airplane itself which they actually found some pieces some parts had survived the uh, you know being out there for that long um and then there are some uh also some publications and and some websites that said they went out there and uh found pieces of the, what they thought was the material uh i don't know how you would how we'd come to that conclusion like if you went out into like a giant field and you're just like this is this is the stuff that was the part uh, or, you know, this is the material that they were carrying that was reported to be from flying discs. Like, how do you know it's that and not just some random piece of metal that's out there? Did <laughs> they ever uh, drag the lake or anything like that? Which like, oh, the
1: the Puget Sound? Like, like, like the Puget bay. Sound? Puget,
2: Puget Sound? soon I think that would be a little bit um well, because there was pieces that hit it, right? That fizzled. They right, go down that, there. And that went down there. I know in shit.
0: the I know in the UFO hunters episode they, they had other their members go down there and, and dive down into the area that they believed it had been reported that that had happened. Yeah, but there's um, no there's no way they found some pieces of rocks and stuff, but that was it.
3: Dude, if there was slag that fell in the ocean and you know it cooled and it hit the bottom seventy years ago.
0: All the tides and
3: the silt and stuff, it's gone. Well, I'm talking about what about right after it
0: happened? No, 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 nothing after it happened. No large scale operations were done to recover anything or anything like that to, you know, to to general knowledge or anything that came up in my research. No, it was just mostly like people took it as a story. um, And then rather quickly within a a couple of months, it was kind of the general consensus was that it was a hoax.
3: As with most of these cases of the day, everyone thinks just a hoax.
2: Well, they had so many of them this time too, and they're all brand new. Yeah, or this is the first time you're hearing about these flying. This is saucers. The, yeah, the
3: first year of the and flying saucer craze. No, and one, there's tons of. Them, no right? one knows what like to It's almost like a mass believe. hysteria for fucking saucers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one knows what to believe. There's different accounts, different stories, different timelines. They didn't. They didn't really start looking into these types of cases for like for years. Like the initial investigation happened. The initial reports, like newspapers and stuff, Tacoma. But no one really got into them till years later. Like really started digging in. So it's it gets it gets hard. You know, the longer you wait, the harder it is. So
1: yeah. all right. Let's go. Uh, yeah. uh let's get into final thoughts. Zell, why don't you kick us off?
3: I like the case as it is as far as the timeline goes, the first you know, the first sighting of these. I mean, these are a little different. They're not really flying saucers, they're like flying donuts, right? They got like the hollow center. Yeah. I can't make a final conclusion because the pictures they said they took right. are, have never surfaced. You never seen the pictures, right? Yeah. And what they found on the beach was like the silvery me- metal, kind of looked like aluminum, but they never f- they never found the slag. So what they put in the box and gave to the like gave to the the Air Force pilots on the be, be uh, on the airplane was not really the stuff that hit their boat. It didn't seem like those Seemed like a different stuff. It wasn't like the black volcanic rock looking slag. But at the same time, it doesn't make sense why when this first happened, like where's the financial benefit of perpet like perpetrating a hoax, you know, like why, why now there's no, did they write a book about it? Did they go on like a national TV tour? Like, you know what I mean? Like why, why then? Like this is right at the start. So uh, there's a couple missing pieces for me to make a full conclusion. I do not not believe, but I, you know, I'm, I'm right in the middle. I don't, I'm not really sure on this one. So it's a, it's a tough one.
0: Dan, let's go diagonally down to you. Um, there's a lot of information about this case, like in the FBI reports and stuff. I mean, it was a pretty thorough investigation by all accounts, and they went through and, and talked about a lot of the kind of addressed a lot of the points. Like again, you have actual physical material that something dropped or they claimed dropped out, and that's kind of like the the big thing for me. I'm like, what was that metal? Um, after uh, Davidson and Brown had left, I think uh, Smith and and Arnold had stayed for a couple more days. They got in contact with like another official from one of the airfields to come down there and kind of take a look at some of the material and like one of the local airfields. And he took them uh, to a smelting plant, a smelter that was working in the area. And he took that material and he showed them like slag from that smelter. And he's and, you know, from the FBI report, they reported that they said it looked
1: remarkably similar. Yeah, well, molten metal will will do that, but like you got to analyze it, right? Like, yeah, you might be like, yeah, this looks like the same kind of molten metal, but it may not be the same kind of metal,
0: right? So, I mean, you know, a couple of you know the army officials who had worked with aircraft materials, you know, their Army, you know, I'm sure like they looked at it, they didn't see anything remarkable about it, didn't seem really interested in it. Um, There's some in 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 the ufo hunters episode they they heavily imply that perhaps like this thing could have been magnetic and that was maybe a cause for the uh or a, a, it could have contributed to the uh the fire that that downed the plane uh and so it's like that triggered something but also it's like well if those at these metal if this molten metal exhibited some kind of remarkable property or something or it dropped off of a UFO craft as some kind of advanced material, I think it would have been apparent like right from the start. Like it would have been like they've been like, this is something we've never seen before. This is not aluminum. It's not some type of steel. It's not type of whatever. I think it would have been like you can touch it, feel it, you know, look at it. There, there's certain, you know, properties of metals that you can be like, okay, this is definitely not something we've seen before. So that's kind of like that. And then there's just a bunch of stuff that the the story. Again, like I said, there's so many accounts and this story has changed a bit or there's bits of inconsistencies between each of the accounts and, and as it's aged. So for me, it's like, well, it, it could have been... I, I want to know what he saw if he did see something because it sounds pretty interesting. Like if it, if, it, if it was something that some UFO craft that jettisoned its, its raw material, maybe it extracted, I don't know, it could have been like... Puget Sound has been known to have like Deposits of platinum and gold. Maybe they were extracting that, and then they were just ejecting the slag, and then refining it into monoatomic gold to power their warp engines, so they can oh, jet man. off into the universe. Like That's maybe I'm sure. talking about. Okay. Cool. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> I can do yeah. that.
1: All right, Andrew. What do you think? Um,
2: I this was really fun. This is really cool. I enjoyed it. There's so much. There's so much to it. Um, I'll just raise a few of my concerns, like you know, big thing again with Zell brought it up, the pictures, like, you know, they got pictures of the crafts. Also, don't you think they would take pictures of the damage under their boat? You know what I mean? To just prove that that fucking happened to begin with. Um, The fact that we have two people that also witnesses this, that we don't know their names, we don't know where they are or what happened to them. Um, We have the son who has some sort of Post traumatic amnesia from this event, or potentially neuralized, like Braden said, or MK Ultra. And if they went to the fucking, if they went to, or if they went as far to neuralize, or you know, MK Ultra, uh, his son, why wouldn't they just do it to Doll as well? So I don't, you know, I don't really buy that too much either. I do believe that they saw something, but I think when everything, I think stuff started to go south is when they involved uh, Kreisman. And Christman, what did Christman do as soon as he found the story out? Right away, he attached himself to the story being like, oh, I went there and just magically saw a saucer too. So he instantly puts himself in the story and then he reaches out to his buddy, Ray Palmer, who runs a fucking amazing stories, you know, uh, magazine to try and turn this into some bigger, more elaborate story. And then like Zell brought up, well, I don't understand why didn't these guys make money or try to pursue this anymore? And I think the reason why they didn't is because two people fucking died. Mm. And I think that's what fucking derailed things for them. They're like, holy fuck, things are real. <laughs> this is this thing's went seriously south. This is not the cool, lucrative story that we tried to turn it into. And we need to shelf it. And that's kind of where I am. I think it's a really cool story. And I do think Dahl believes he saw something. And as far as his son goes, potentially had some type of post-traumatic amnesia. But usually that's not, that's usually never. Permanent and very, very rare cases. Maybe last a couple of days, a couple of weeks. And the longest I've ever heard of it lasting is maybe months. So I just, I got a, I got a tough time buying into it. And it's just too bad because this happened in 1947, right? The best information we got was from fucking 1947 and we're analyzing it now. And it's had the telephone game and had a bunch of different people's hands in it. And it was fun. It was a cool story. It's a good one. I'm glad that we got the MIB from it but I just, I can't buy into this one. Um,
1: my final thoughts. I think they did see something. I think, I think slag did kill the dog. I don't see a reason. If you didn't, if the dog didn't die, that means they killed it. And I find that story even harder. I find that hard to believe. Like why lie about kid? Like you're like, you just murdered your dog for this, for the story. Um, I think I think I I believe the story. I believe they found something. Um, what they saw, I don't know if it was a hundred percent alien. What I think it may be, I think it was human piloted crafts uh, of us either piloting some of the objects that we found, um, similar to the Roswell or from Roswell, because you know we've we have accounts of uh, Bob Lazar saying we've. You know, dug a couple of these things up or maybe this is us re-engineering some of these things and these are the first kind of flights with these things and them crashing and this is this is top secret this is you know agencies that we don't even know the names to like we're talking black book things and i believe that the two men that were killed in the aircraft they actually had parts of this recovered And I believe that airplane was taken down uh, to cover up whatever agency had this technology because they didn't want any other like these agencies. They do compete. And I believe this was to keep whatever black book operation they have uh, off the map and continue to work in the shadows. I like that. The anonymous calls three of five were are factually true. And yes, I agree. Like Dan said, it could be, it could be Chrisman and dull, but on the third one being correct, they would have, they're guessing it's a guessing game that two, those are the two that died. There's four people on that plane. They guess two, and it happens to be the right two. like, right? Yes. But I'm still leaning that those are three factual things so why start lying on the next two of this anonymous call? I, I believe this plane was shot down with the 20 millimeter cannon, like reported. Uh, similar to what Zell said, I believe maybe the pilots weren't in the know. This plane was hit. That's why you have the, the large debris field is because it was hit by something. This explosion took out the engine. Uh, possibly not a wing right away. Uh, spreading debris all over the place. Uh, I think this is one of the first... Real government cover-ups is what I think. Looking at this, you have people going intimidating. You know, people who seemingly are in the know, uh, and it's perfect because it's so long ago. And there's this window of opportunity where you're even between agencies. Like it, the amount of like disorganization in this specific period, when like the Air Force is becoming their own entity, I can only imagine it's a logistical nightmare for everyone involved. Uh, and I believe that's why this was done at this point is because some people saw an opportunity to make it work for them. That's what I believe. Those are my final thoughts.
3: There you go. It's a fun
1: case. One, one of the
3: OGs of ufology. It's fun to get into the old ones Sometimes we haven't done the old ones probably
1: since Roswell. I don't think something that old, at least fun. If yeah, nothing else, good case, good case. Um, We're going to do something a little different here. Um, If those of you who have been on our Facebook and Instagram, we've been posting a lot of recent UFO videos, uh, some compelling ones. So right now, we don't even have a segment name for this yet.
3: This is just sprung on us. This is brand new, brand new, something we're going to do. If you're not not watching the live stream, you don't have to sign up for Patreon, but if you want to, you can watch it. We're going to post these on Instagram and
1: YouTube. Post them on the socials. The videos are already on our socials, but this clip from this point on will be on our socials of us reviewing these clips. So, uh,
3: we're gonna start with the
1: I'm gonna start with that.
3: The blue light in the sky one, Braden.
1: Uh, so, this is, yeah, this video. I'll give a quick rundown before we play the video. This is August 3rd, uh, 2021, over the skies of Brooklyn, New York, USA. A giant UFO was recorded emitting a blue light. After a few moments, the UFO appeared to eject smaller UFOs. Uh, The group of friends filming the event claimed that their cell phones turned off mid-recording for no reason, and they were unable to turn them off until after the UFO had vanished. And this is MUFON case number 117221. Cue the video. Here we go. What? Do we see what appears to be a large light in the sky?
3: God, this, okay, oh, shot a saying. fucking UFO.
1: One light shoots out. Oh my God, Two lights. And yes, now yeah, a second light, slower than the first one ejected, pops out. And the video inexplicably, inexplicably stops 17 seconds into the video. Uh, what's everyone's thoughts on that? I've seen batteries not included. That's what this is. <laughs> Well, what could make what could make those lights?
3: Besides a f- computer effects, I have no idea. Some so is it a UFO shooting out other UFOs that are also glowing? Is that what they're saying?
1: In the, all, they say is that they see this blue light and it appears to eject those two other smaller lights that you see in the video. Um, I'm at a loss. The first one ejects obviously faster than the second one. Second one kind of comes out a little slower, but I'm at a loss of what you know, what that could be, you know, there's always this thing that this is, this is a fake video. Um, the one thing I'll say is if you listen to the audio of this video, not to say that I wouldn't be more surprised, but I would probably be more surprised if you heard me watch, seeing these things live. Um, it does seem underwhelming for the people who are recording. I mean, it's pretty cool. The one thing
2: that like, I'm not saying that it, it's not indicative of any, alien craft that's been described but like the movement it's really slow it comes out the kind of just in a straight line type thing where it's none of that really cool sporadic movement or those right. sharp lines or anything like that that we've seen described right like it's just like it just a you know slow little fucking trickle out yeah basically it's just making it very hey we're here and we're not worried if you see us
0: it's cool uh the funny thing about this video is that I, when I reviewed it and I looked at it, um, I kind of dug into it a little bit. And that this video, there's another similar video to this one that was posted or appeared, like popped up in, on the Internet, like with their posted somewhere in a couple forums that it was like the exact same thing. But uh, like a couple days earlier, and from a different place within New York, it was still in New York. It was still in New York. There's one from like it was on Manhattan or something like that, and um, like they filmed the exact same thing, and it looks almost exactly the same. Cool. Um, Like like not not like that. It's it's a like the light is the same brightness. It has the the ejecting of at least one or two smaller lights. It's a different video, but appears the same. Right in a different but in a kind of a different location. So it's like right over like midtown Manhattan. So, you know, I would expect there to be more videos because the video is kind of taken from like across the water. It's like it's like it's over Manhattan. And I'm like, okay, that's like it's right there. It's right next to like a skyscraper or two. And you would expect to be I know people would want to say that, you know, nobody's ever looking up anymore. Everybody's looking at their phones. But I'm like, those lights are pretty bright. They and if you saw bright. one of those, like it would be casting, like it's bright enough to be casting shadows. Like if it's that close, it's that brilliant, it's that bright in that, in the video that we, even in the video that, um, that we're looking at now, it, it is remarkably bri- brilliant and it would be probably bright enough to cast its own shadows. So, like, what would are your be, thoughts?
1: So. Oh, sorry, Dan, not to interrupt you. Sorry.
3: Did I already say it? Oh, did you? Let's go around, yes, let's go around know.
1: the horn, real or fake.
3: Real or fake? Yeah. Real. That's, That's a real one. fucking video right there, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a real video. I, I just don't know what it is. It's real. Yeah, um, me. It's a real video.
1: I, I personally, I don't like this video. I think it's a fake only because of the audio on it. The reactions. I just feel that if you were seeing something this, mag, like, this magnificent as the video goes, I think you would have more reaction than you see in the video. The reaction, and I hate to judge it from the reaction, but that's that honestly what stands out to me is like the lackluster reaction to this. If it's truly what you're seeing, because everyone knows filming a camera is going to be less astounding than your eye, what your eye sees. Um, let's queue up the next video, though. All right, this one's a UFO,
3: a, uh, like a, a, black, a black saucer UFO, I guess the clouds, it looks like, pretty much.
1: Uh, Zell, you can just hit play because I will read the description. There's no audio to this video, so you can just hit play right now. Uh, This object was spotted in the skies above Manhattan, New York. Uh, This was August 7th, 2021. It's MUFON case one one seven one nine six. The submitter explained that the audio was removed because they were freaking out, and they cussed while recording this thing. The... Uh submitter says, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. It really freaked me out. And right at the end of this video, uh, you see this object, this seemingly black speck hovering looks kind of similar to a tic-tac. Uh, and it is going to inexplicably fade away from you as if it's taking off into the clouds. Uh, that's probably going to happen there it right goes. now. There, there it goes. It, goes. Oh, it does cool. fucking go. That's that was for cool, sure. uh, Dan. What are your thoughts? So you said this is another one in Manhattan. Yeah, probably,
0: probably be about the same thing. I mean, I have a lot of questions, but I don't know. It looks, uh, yeah, it looks like a UFO hanging out. It looks like aliens are really interested in New York. Maybe they come for the the, the thick slice pizza. I don't know.
1: There's or Broadway. There's
0: something. Oh yeah, they could be. Yeah, they could be here for Broadway. Some good musicals.
1: For, uh, for my review of it, there's something about when it's leaving that l- just doesn't look right on the video. Like as it's fading out, shooting in the scars, it doesn't look like it's actually... It doesn't look like it's leaving and going far away rather than it's getting smaller. And to me, that shows maybe some like editing uh, of the image. Like fades so it, out. That, that, that's a hard one. It's a hard one for me because... I, everything when I look at it, it looks good, but when it's leaving, I question the as it seems to be disappearing. That's just the, the time dilation, maybe. I don't know, Zell. What do you think? I mean,
3: it's weird that you're you're filming from below and it's just a, it's a black blur
0: against the clouds.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So I mean that could I mean
0: yeah I mean. Black holes bend light around them. So it's like it absorbs the light. Its gravity field that it's generating is absorbing, you know, bending or absorbing the light in it. That's what's happening. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think. Andrew?
2: I mean, if I took that video, you'd have to take out the audio too. I'd be shit in my pants. Look at that thing. It looks just like a fucking
0: flying saucer, man. Who edits out the audio? And I'm like, I cussed in it. Like, okay. Uh, yeah, like, it must have been, I, I, like if they cussed, it, have been, it must have been like some like really bad, like racial slurs or something. <laughs> like, I don't know why you would edit it out. No one would care. Oh, Dan, go straight to the racism again. God, <laughs> I'm no. just saying, it's like this is the only reason you would edit it or you would take out the audio if you were saying some really like racist shit. Like, I don't know who else would like edit out cussing. Like, He's a very, say, very fuck, what's strict
3: that? religious person <laughs> and they said cunt and they went, Hell no. Be, that can gosh Darn it. Look at that DM. thing up there. Yeah. <laughs> <Jeez>. Jesus. <laughs>
2: Did <laughs> You lose lose use the Lord's name of vain. <laughs> Cut it. All
3: right. Cut. Uh, is that all you want to do? You want to just do two then? Let's do two for tonight. Yeah, we're going pretty all right. fucking long here. So. All, right. all right. Let's let's uh let's give out a theorite of Ooh. the week. We got a special one. Special one. We a special well one. deserved.
2: Well deserved. I'm pretty sure. What is it? Her 20th birthday? 21st? Yeah, 21st. Let's like give her that, 20. Yeah. So, yeah, something like that. Well, she's got we to wanna... be
3: older than her son. So I think there's, but let's give her a hell, older son. Older, whatever her son is, give her an appropriate age above him. 26.
2: Sure. We want to wish a very special 26th birthday to our theater of the week, Jennifer Swope, Pod Mom. The pod Mom, unofficial pod mom. pod mom. The official Pod Mom. The official Pod Mom. Let's face it. Come on. Come on. <laughs>
3: Love you. The always Cheers, active on the Discord. Always a valued member. Hope you had a member. happy birthday. <laughs> Hope you had Hope a great birthday. Spoiled. Birthday today. <laughs> Cheers. you're right of the week, Jennifer Spoke. We appreciate your support to the community. All right. All right. All right. You're not supporting the show. Oh, that's not the right. Button. There we go. Hey, this is a little rusty. It's all a little rusty. Now you take one it's week all come off. back. You take it's come one back. week off, and then uh, that's always what lost some
2: steam. <laughs>
3: if you're not supporting the show, you want access, early access to case files, the live stream, the Discord, all the bonus stuff, head over to patreon.com/slash Alien dearest Podcast, or find the link in the podcast description. This week's newest supporters: Dylan. Fuck, why do you gotta do this to me, you know? Dylan Killed, Yeah, Dylan Killed, there eh. you go. El Taco Truck, hey, I used to have a taco truck. Got stolen one time, went to Afghanistan. <laughs> Tristan Canada, Daniel Frazier went up, full your pledge. Woo. Elm Riverton, Captain Specificity, Specificity? Sure. Stevie Mack, Kenan Simpson, John Brooks, Garrett Whittle, Ryan Steele, Todd Dean, Tyler Tolison, Iva Foster, that's a great name, Jimbo Slice, Eric with a full year pledge, NZ Skunky Buds, Adam Linder uh ramirez went up to a ten dollar pledge kelly Hendricks is back i recognize that name ryan morgan upped it to a full year pledge and that's not least tracy fraser thank you very much for supporting the show
1: and as we always say at the end of these things keep those eyes on the skies see you in after hours